connection and our desire to soothe with food. As we exit Valentine's Day, you may have seen many posts on relationships, loneliness, and how they impact your life and how they impact your health. As a podcast dedicated to improving your health and well-being one bite at a time, I wanted to reframe the narrative in the last week to share the very practical and doable things that we can do to manage the feelings of loneliness that we inevitably all feel at some point in time and to help foster feelings of connection and belonging to the world around you. As I've mentioned in my book, Hungry for More, this feeling of connectedness can ease the universal hunger that we often seek to soothe with food. Welcome back to Health Bite. I'm your host, Dr. Adrian Udim. I'm a triple board certified internist, obesity medicine, and physician nutrition specialist, and I help people like you redefine nutrition to include not only the food that we eat, but all the ways in which we can nourish ourselves physically, mentally, and emotionally. Well, you may know Dr. Vivek Murthy. He's the Surgeon General of the U.S., and he has made it his mission to address loneliness. And as his research has shown, loneliness is more than just a bad feeling. It has tangible, concrete consequences to both our individual and societal health. But before we go any further, I want to point out that loneliness is a subjective feeling of perceived disconnection. Let me repeat that, a subjective feeling of perceived disconnection. What this means is that the feelings of loneliness and isolation may not be rooted in reality. One may perceive this feeling despite being in romantic relationships, despite having friends and connections, despite having resources and opportunities for connection all around them. This for me is an incredibly hopeful point because it tells me that we can change that perception and therefore the feeling of isolation by reframing our narrative. First, let's talk about why a feeling of connection and belonging is so important and so rooted to our survival. Humans, as they say, are social creatures and we have evolved to live in community as a mechanism of our survival. We were more likely to survive in the wild when we were in community, when others could help stave off harm. A predator, of course, is more likely to kill a lone ranger as compared to a pack of 10. We are more likely to stave off environmental threats too. Think about it. Huddling with others in the cold is a protective way of keeping us from succumbing to icy conditions. And of course, this is also a matter of reproduction. We are more likely to find a mate in community and therefore more likely to continue our lineage and to survive extinction. Even when it comes to animals in the wild, they travel in packs because doing so reduces their risk of being ambushed by a predator and therefore more likely to survive. Our ancestors depended on each other to help them meet their basic needs. Living in isolation meant having to fulfill the demands of one's survival on their own. And so 
our brains and our bodies have adapted to expect proximity to one another. To be fair, this is a matter of survival, but also a matter of well-being and a healthier and higher quality of life. Loneliness is associated with a higher risk of cardiovascular disease, dementia, stroke, depression, anxiety, and premature death. And I know you've probably heard this statistic sometime this week. The impact of being socially disconnected is similar to that which is caused by smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day. It kind of makes you think, well, hell, I might as well start smoking then. But before you go there, I want to reiterate that we can cultivate connection in meaningful ways that are right here under our nose. So let's talk about how. First, we can work to increase the number and variety of our relationships. Consider the people who are really here, right underneath our nose, that we're missing out on. Perhaps coworkers or neighbors or other potential connections that we just have not thought to cultivate. You can perhaps sit in the lunchroom if that still exists in your workplace, or take your staff to lunch or offer a walking lunch or a walk and talk with a coworker that you don't typically connect with. Maybe you knock on a neighbor's door and offer them a meal or a sweet. Recently, I took over a box to a neighbor of mine that was misdirected to my home. She offered me to come in. I had work to do, but the fire was lit inside, and I thought, well, why not? In the 15 minutes we spent chatting, we had such a meaningful conversation, it nearly brought us both to tears. Well, that was unexpected, I thought to myself. Maybe you reach out to a friend that you have not heard from or seen in a while, or maybe a family member. As you know, I come from a large Persian family. We are by nature big and we are very intertwined, sometimes annoyingly so. But I've realized there are people in my family unit, people that I have married into, that I love and enjoy, but I take for granted. I never think to go out with them as friends because they're family. But really, why not? There are relationships that we can cultivate that are right under our nose. I want you to think about that. Think about who might be right there at your fingertips. Who are you missing out on? The second way in which we can cultivate more meaningful connection is by enhancing the quality of the relationships that we have. Ask yourself, how engaged are you in your relationships? Are you present or are you absent-minded? If you have a partner or if you have children, do you make time to connect? Do you make time for date night? Or are you like two ships passing in the night? If the latter is true, trust me, I get it. I remember many years ago when I was pregnant with my second child, I was feeling tremendous guilt over the first. As a resident, I was working 100 plus hours a week, often leaving the care of my little child, infant and toddler, to the care of other caretakers. Being so mired in this distress and guilt, I decided to go seek out the counseling of a therapist. The first thing she told me was, do you do date night with your husband? 
date night? Was this woman kidding? Did she even hear what I had to say her? I was working a hundred hours a week. How was I to do a date night? Particularly when I was feeling so much guilt from leaving this child already. But as the goody two-shoes that I am, I listened and I started a weekly date night with my husband that I have kept to this very day nearly 20 years later. And you know what? It worked. It created a sense of connection with my husband that I had lost in the busyness of caring for kids and caring for work and all the day-to-day minutia that we have to care for. We forget that we lose that connection with the people that we love just by being too busy for it. What about vulnerability? Have you ever thought, how vulnerable are you in your relationships? Do you share your distress? Do you ask for help? Often we feel like it's selfish to ask someone or something of another. But the ability to be vulnerable gives permission for others to do the same, building upon the quality of the relationships in our lives. When we ask for help from others, they in turn can ask for help and solace from us. And that vulnerability builds the quality, builds the texture of our relationships, helping us feel more connected, more belonging to the people who are already in our lives. And what about strangers? Studies show that we can foster a sense of connection with complete strangers, simply, but in a way that has profound physical and mental health implications. Examples of this are just merely smiling at the man bagging your groceries, or making small talk with the barista at your favorite coffee shop, or even offering to hold the door for someone else. These little acts of kindness and connection may seem trivial, but can you believe that they positively impact our health and our notion of feeling connected to the people and the world around us? Finally, are there places where you can meet new friends? This seems like an impossibility for adults, especially in big cities like LA, where we all travel to and fro in our cars all alone. Often my single patients say to me, I'm not in school anymore, and I work from home. How am I supposed to meet someone? What about joining a writing club, a hiking club? What about taking a class at a local community college or a fitness center? Going to church or another faith-based group? Or a group that emanates from one of those places at your church or synagogue? What about volunteering at a local library, a food pantry, an animal shelter? Service-related activities can have an even greater health-boosting effect, studies show, not only by cultivating connection with those around us, but by giving us a sense of purpose and meaning. Speaking of furry animals, remember that we can foster feelings of connection with our pets too. When we pet our furry friends, we release love hormones like oxytocin and serotonin in our bodies, 
and so do our pets. Oxytocin, which is known as the love hormone, not only facilitates these feelings of love, but also a sense of bonding and connection, the true antidote to loneliness. And finally, remember that connection does not have to be limited to other beings. Studies show that connecting with the natural environment around us has profound physical, mental, and emotional healing effects. So take some time to sit outside at a park or near a body of water. Close your eyes and really connect with the natural world around you. Remember that we are big, but we are also very small, small specks that are interconnected in this vast, vast world. Remember that we can perceive ourselves as alone, but in fact, we truly are all connected. And it is often our perception more than our reality that disconnects us. Last but not least, cultivating connection with ourselves. As I mentioned, people can feel disconnected despite having an abundance of people around them. We can have partners and children. We can have coworkers and connections and still feel incredibly alone. Why is that? Sometimes that feeling of disconnection emanates from a disconnection from ourselves. We can foster that connection through the many mind-body practices that we've talked about on this podcast. Taking some time to truly connect with yourself. Maybe that means taking a time out and giving yourself a bubble bath. Maybe that's by engaging in a breathing practice or a meditation practice. Maybe that's by spending time outside in nature. Maybe that is cultivated and facilitated by taking some time with a journal, writing down our thoughts and feelings, what's meaningful and important to ourselves, unearthing ways in which we do feel disconnected and finding out for ourselves an antidote to that. Recently, I was leading a mind-body group with female leaders across the country. Actually, we're actively engaged in this right now. Last week, we did a writing exercise, which was called Dialogue with a Problem or a Symptom. This is a very powerful way of excavating our own true knowing. Basically, you take a moment to sit down with a journal Think about something that is vexing you. Maybe it's a problem, some issue with a family member, some issue with your work. Maybe it's with a symptom, a headache or a digestive issue that you've been dealing with. Maybe it's with another person, a friend or a family member. Sit down and write for 10 uninterrupted minutes. You write it as a dialogue. First, you start with me and just write M for me and maybe ask the symptom, why are you here? Then change your perspective and write from the perspective of the problem, the concern, or the symptom. Write S for symptom and then offer yourself an answer. Don't overthink this too much. 
but engage for 10 or 15 solid minutes in this interaction between you and it. You would be amazed by what may come up. This answer is actually something that is deep and known within you. And in engaging this practice, you can, again, unearth or excavate your inner knowing. Another valuable tool is a meditation with a wise guide. In this practice, you sit down quietly, take a few deep breaths to become present and connect with yourself in the moment. Then imagine yourself in an area that feels comforting to you. Perhaps this is a place out in nature. Perhaps this is a cozy space in your home. Perhaps it's an imaginary space that you have made up in your mind's eye or something you've seen in a magazine. Close your eyes and truly imagine yourself in this space. Imagine how it feels to be there. What is the weather like? What is the scenery like? What are you wearing? Who is there with you? If there's anything in your scene or scenery that doesn't feel right, adjust it. Put or take away the people that don't fit. Change the temperature. Add the natural resources like an ocean or a pond that are soothing to you. Really settle into the space and experience it with all of your senses. Now in your mind's eye, ask for your wise guide. This may be a person. It may be an animal. It may be a form of nature. It may come to you as a feeling or a shape or a color. Whatever it is, allow yourself to receive whatever comes. And then sit with this being or experience. Ask it your questions. What are you concerned about? What are you seeking? And give it the opportunity to respond. Again, this is a practice. It may not come to you all at once. But I tell you, the first time I engaged in this practice, I was brought to tears by the realizations that I made. These are just some of the many ways in which we can sit with ourself, connect with ourself, and allow our inner knowing to manifest. As I shared in last week's podcast, and as I share frequently on this podcast, and in all of my work, Understanding our common humanity is a critical piece of self-compassion, and in this case, a critical piece to reframing the feelings of subjective loneliness. We all feel disconnected at times. We all feel lonely at some point in time. If so many of us are feeling it, then how can we really be alone? I'm so grateful for all of you connecting with me each week and making me feel connected. Our numbers are growing on this podcast, and that gives me so, so much joy. Please, if you've been listening, think about leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen. It's such a critical piece to growing this podcast and to growing my message of health and well-being. 
I hope you have a great week and I look forward to seeing you here again next week on Health Bite.